Hey, 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 welcome back in. Impact is on. Everybody's favorite men's hoops podcast for the Michigan State Spartans. I'm Trent Bailey, joined with my guys, as always, Luke Sloan, Brennan Shabath. Guys, it's like our second day in a row here where with 60-degree weather. Brennan, you got outside, played a little hoops. Yes. Luke, I know you've been having spring fever. I know. I ha- I've had my windows just eternally open for like the last 48 hours. It's great. Dude, I, I hooped today. I went to the driving range yesterday, a little tune-up, you know, before yeah, before that's spring, wow, spring ball gets yes, out there. For spring sure. golf. Ooh. You've you're Ooh. you're the sportsman of the yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah. You've been oh, yeah. you've been sharpening the tools I, up I for always, the weather. I always consider I mean, I think this goes for a lot of sports journalists, but we are just the the uh like we're like a garbage can of former athletes, essentially. We, Pretty we, much, we couldn't make up. it in high school and college, so now we just talk about sports. We're the and that's high what school, I consider myself. We're the high school athlete throwaways. We're like, the wash like, I'll, ups. I'll, yeah. go, I'll go out there and cross up any pedestrian basketball player. Yes, you know, because I could hoop in high school, college level, obviously not. But right, right you right. know, we were just talking about this walking out of the studio the other day because I was a one time. I say this in quotes, track star. I was not a star, but <laughs> I I was decently fleet of foot in high school. I was kind of, I wasn't like one of the runner types because I sprinted, yeah. but I was, you know, I ran like every day and kept in shape. If current me raced me of like four years ago, it Dusted. would be so bad. I mean, that's true it for all It would be so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am. Don't put yourself down. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm I think old. I took... I'm beat down. I'm, I'm washed. I think I took 20 jumpers today. All of them over the rim. I made the last one and left. Okay, there you go. Got to end on a make. You got to you got to end on a make. Have to. You have to end on a make. But anyways, uh, it's it's great to see you guys. It's great to be here back in the studio as usual. Uh, I I feel like I always say that we have a lot to talk about, but you know tonight we actually do. Um, what what we essentially have here is Michigan State beat Michigan in the final game of the regular season. Woot, uh, woot. Pretty much punching their ticket to the Big Dance. We'll get to all that in a second, but. I got some quick headlines for you guys. Aaron Henry named to the third team All-Big Ten. That was announced today. It is Tuesday as we record. And Joshua Langford received a Big Ten Sportsmanship Award. So on behalf of the Impact Zone, congrats to those two guys. Well-deserved. Um, no one deserves it more, one might say. But let's jump right into this win versus Michigan because I know you guys are going to have plenty of thoughts. But first of all, Luke Sloan has been evicted from the Optimist Caucus, as we call it, because he did, in fact, pick Michigan to win this one, whereas Brennan and I sat over here on our high horse, and we picked the Spartans, the unranked, lowly Michigan State Spartans. Luke, I have one. To defeat the number two team in the nation, Michigan. I I have one question for you. Yes, shoot. What is the shape of Italy? A boot? Yes, you got kicked out of the Optimus Cup. You are essentially you Sicily, and you got booted. You see, I was about to say like a square or like a triangle or <laughs> Thank something. Thank God you didn't drop that one. I yeah, do yeah, want to yeah. note, though, that I'm going full Michael Jordan flu game today because the threads inside my mask are starting to come off into oh, no. my Ooh, mouth. This is not good. This is not a good situation. That's a little gross. It, it, it's bad. <laughs> I don't think I needed to know that. <laughs> fuzzy in your mouth. But... So I want your pity because, yes, I didn't pick Michigan State. Sloan, I can't but you know I can't I'm asking for I don't, your pity I don't now because so. I'm going so. Michael Jordan flu no. game for this. Sloan, you, you know I can't do that, Sloan. Because it was Michigan. Sloan, you're like my you brother. Left. You understand? I can't. I cannot do that. You I left for Michigan. I just want to say for the Michigan. Game. I just want, even though this is in the past and it doesn't matter anymore. I just want to say that I was strongly on the Optimist Caucus wing for 75 percent of this year. Brendan was not. And we have completely and, and changed. And also, but also, spots. 
Michigan State wasn't very optimistic it's, it's either. A, it's a case of what it, have you done for me lately? Exactly. I I have never left it. Yes. I will just put it at that. I have been that but whatever. More this, times than not, that doesn't do me very well. If you don't believe me, go listen to the Motown rundown. Shameless plug. I pick the Detroit Lions every week, and they consistently win five games a year. So that's fun. This is a a little disclaimer for those of you listening at home too. We did a podcast before the Michigan game in Ann Arbor, and then one before the Michigan game in East Lansing. We thought we posted the one in East yeah, Lansing. We for can't some find reason, it. That has been lost in the archives. But if it's out there and you find it, please let us know. If you can't yeah. find it, just know that Trent and I both picked Michigan State to beat Michigan, and Luke did not. I have a secret to admit. I sabotaged the podcast because I did not oh, pick that's Michigan State. There it is. However, didn't we all pick them to beat Ohio State? And they did? I did not pick he them. Not pick I them did not Ohio pick State. them to beat Ohio State. So, State. I okay. did on pick, pick them to beat Illinois, though. So if we do the mental gymnastics here, then I guess whatever. Lucky for Sloan, you know, he has submitted his waiver to come back in, his request. Brent and I are going to do some review we'll of take that. A vote. The yeah, good I'm news is for your votes. The good news is, as a slappy guy over here, Luke, uh, it, it's pretty easy to get back in. You just have to simply pick the Spartans. Now, th- I know that's not any, you know, that's not any walk in the park. See, it was but, a uh, sweeter feeling for me though, because yeah. I didn't expect it to happen. And then when they beat them, it was kind of like, oh wow, they really yeah. exceeded my expectations. So it was, you know, I set myself up. You did. I set myself you up. You set yourself I, up real nice. I like the sweet feeling of being right. Promo. Oh, well. Brennan is also just whatever. What, we, we don't have to. We don't have to spend a different. We don't have to spend a whole five minutes on this. Basically, let's get into it. Spartans got some sweet revenge. Got a little vindication. Beat Michigan seventy to sixty four on Sunday. Uh, as I said earlier, to essentially, uh, uh, does anyone think they're not in the tournament? I don't think no. I haven't heard a single. 100%. Their ticket is punched. Their ticket yep. is punched. So time is a streak will not die yet. It will extend from twenty three to twenty four. Which is very nice because you just don't want it to end in it's a pandemic so, That's so weird to hear. After, the Jordan like, year. The total up and down this season oh, was two weeks ago to be like, oh, yeah, they're going to make the tournament. Yeah, I would have called you crazy. Exactly. Because you look on... at the schedule they had down the yep. stretch. Oh, I was going to – I I apologize. No, no, I, I, was, do- I was done talking. In, you stopped in midair. No, no, <laughs> I was I guess like, I, oh, That no. didn't sound like a sentence, but it was. I was like, I was like, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to step on your toes. No, you're totally good. I saw a tweet today that I, I'll have to go find this tweet mid-episode, but I believe that, I mean, assuming they make the tournament, which they will, that's going to be three straight decades of Tom Izzo going dancing. Yeah, that's impressive. Judd Heathcote also went dancing for three straight decades in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So the last two Spartan coaches have all gone to the NCAA tournament in three decades. So Legends. Michigan Judd State's Heathcote, a basketball Tom school? Tom Izzo, basketball school. Well, let's do it. Rocket Watts was spectacular in this one with 21 points, four rebounds, four assists. He was unconscious, basically, in the second half. Particularly, Aaron Henry had 18 points. Joey Hauser had 11 Shawnee Brown led the Wolverines with 13 points. I don't think anyone really saw that coming. No. Um, I didn't. I, I sure as hell did not see the Wolverines' leading scorer to only have 13, and I also would never have picked it to be Shawnee Brown. But whatever. Hunter Dickinson was head to 12 points. Franz Wagner, after a 19-point outing last Thursday, just 10. Uh, so, guys, what were your big takeaways? You know, I always go, Brendan, let's go to, over to Sloan here first. Since you did enjoy this game yes. because you picked the Wolverines, and the Spartans come away with a six-point victory. So what were your big takeaways? I mean, there's a blueprint. The blueprint is you're going to make the opposing team – this is Michigan State's blueprint. You're going to make the opposing team uncomfortable. 
You're going to make them, you're going to, you're going to frustrate their best players. You're going to get under their skin a little bit. You know, they've had some home cooking, you know, part of these wins, you know, Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan, but that's not part of the formula. The formula is, you know, a race to 60 points, grit, grind, ultra physical. That's just the mantra that this Michigan State basketball team has taken on this year. So we've seen that formula work for three top five wins in pretty much the last 10 to 15 days. So if it wasn't apparent before, and if they're going to win games in the Big Ten tournament in March, it's going to be a race to 60 points. They're going to be getting on the on the floor first for those loose balls. They're going to get under your skin. They're going to make you uncomfortable. Your best players might struggle, and Tom Izzo's going to pull some rabbits out of hats. And Tom Izzo, I mean, oh my goodness. I was talking to my dad, friend of the podcast. Shout again, out Mr. Sloan. Shout out Mr. Sloan. Always. Dad. Yeah. But I was talking to him last night, and I was this team was dead dead after that Purdue game in West Lafayette. I mean, the three of us were... I mean, even Trent was wavering. I was. Even Trent's but optimism... But I did pick him to beat Indiana. I, just true. for the record. Just for the record. But even, you're right. Even I was Trent's wavering optimism too. was wavering. I was wavering, too. The morale on this podcast was low, but they were... I mean, dead. Dead, dead, dead. I mean, even Joe Lenardi said, no, they're not getting in. I saw a tweet from... I saw them dig that tweet up yes, the other day. Freezing cold yeah. takes. Tom Izzo has just resurrected this team. And I mean... You know, you can talk about, you know, oh, they lost at Purdue. Oh, you know, they lost at Maryland. But when they've needed it the most in these big resume games like Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan, they've shown up, they've played, and they've won. I mean, they simply unbeatable at the Breslin Center the last month of the year. Tom Izzo, my apologies for not being optimistic for the latter half of the year because I Sloan, should not have doubted this team. I really want to hammer this home. You're, I know, you're holding I know, scissors I, I know, at me right no, I, now. I, I, well, these scissors, you have scissors. The scissors were sitting uh, uh, here at my seat. Unbelievable. And to, so to hostile. To paint the picture, there is a plexiglass barrier between us. So they're, they're also the people listening, scissors. they are also kitty scissors with a potential booger on them. That's kind of gross. Oh, that's great. My thing is this. I know Brennan's over there chomping at the bit because he is – our basketball guys, our X's and O's guy, but Sloan, I want to hammer home something you said real quick. Give me 30 seconds. Shame on anyone who doubted Tom Izzo in March, including myself. I'll stick my hand up. We all had this team dead in the water, to quote exactly what you just said. You're exactly right, Sloan. Tom Izzo doesn't lose in March. It doesn't happen. Three top five AP wins in the last seven games. Uh, it, it, you can't say enough about it. And it's like just when you, it, it maybe maybe this wasn't gonna happen, but then they were gonna win the Big Ten tournament. Like they're just gonna find their way Something. in, man. I, it just happens. And and Brendan, I know you're more the numbers guy and stuff, but the Spartans in net ratings, I think, are 67th in the entire country right now. That's you are you are bonkers if you think that the Spartans are the 67th worst team in the country. So that little. You know, formula for putting teams in needs to change, but that's neither here nor there. I just wanted to say to anyone listening who who who, who doubted Tom Izzo and doubted Aaron Henry and doubted the Michigan State Spartans in particular, just the Spartan logo in late February and March, shame on you. All, so the, say, all the folks who are like, all oh, this is the end for Tom Izzo. Because now we're essentially talking about, we, we go from having, oh, is Tom Izzo going to retire? And this is oh, really God. hurting the culture, you know? And you got all this stuff with... Uh, you know, your recruits coming in and, and Balachi decommits and all this the stuff Amani starts happening. That look now? And now all of a sudden we're sitting here and we're gonna get into this later, but we're this team might win a game in the tournament. So so Brendan, what what were your takeaways from the Michigan game in particular before we go big picture? Well, I just wanna say this is a perfect time for the website that I use to look at the net to crash, so I can't refer to that. 
But I like to use Ken Palm a little bit more to see who's the best at what and blah, blah, blah. And I think Ken Palm's a more accurate statistical ranking than just the net quad wins and losses and also, stuff. Also, according to your Twitter bio, that is the more trustworthy. Yes, correct. Yes. Um, Michigan State is 55th in Ken Palm. That's the highest they've been since, like, October you know, after these wins, that's really big for them. They're up to 85th in offense. 34th in defense is the highest I've seen them since I've been watching in a long time. I it's almost like you have to adjust the numbers day. for this last, like, 10 games almost. No, I which know. It's, and, it's just crazy. It's a different team. And I said it on the cast uh, after the game as Bell. I was the, the, the studio host. This was just the Michigan State thing to do. It's Absolutely. totally Tom Izzo, totally Michigan State to get this BS win in a game that nobody says they should have had, that they looked completely lifeless three days before, and to pull it out in the way they did. Because in that second half, it was scary for a little bit. I mean, Michigan cut it down to, f- to four at one point. You know, Michigan State had a struggle offensively. And then, I mean, Langford hit that three, which was huge. And yes. wow. the thing that the thing that stuck out to me was that okay, Michigan's lost to Minnesota. They got blown out there. That was without Eli Brooks. And now not to discredit Michigan State's performance, they played absolutely amazing. But Eli Brooks out for Michigan was a big factor. When they lost to Minnesota, he was out for them too. I was gonna say I think Michigan is one and two in they're the one games and, without. One Eli and two Brooks. without Brooks, essentially, yeah. And um, you know, losing to Illinois, who's a, a final four team. The way Michigan State played, in particular Rocket Watts, Joey Hauser, Josh Langford, and Aaron Henry, is the way we could have expected them to play all year. And to me, that proves they're a top 25, top 15, top 10 team in the country when they get when Aaron Henry and Josh Langford get support. Because Henry was really quiet that whole game, particularly. I mean, mainly in the first half, more towards the end of the second half, he came to life and did what he does best, but Rocket Watts carried them. Joey Hauser played well in the first half. Marcus Bingham had a good game. You know, when they get support from their surrounding cast, and I mean, it's pretty cut and dry, obvious, you know, thanks, Captain Obvious, but when they get the support that they need... It's, it's night and day. It's it's crazy how different, especially Rocket Watts. I mean, yes. when he plays to his potential... Dynamic as are, hell, man. There are very few people in the entirety of college basketball that are scarier to stand in front of when Rocket Watts is at his fullest potential, and he proved that against Michigan, and I think if... I really hope we all are the biggest... We might we might as well be the Rocket Watts caucus. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I, I... Oh, we're going to dig up some more receipts oh, now. I was the one who said, don't give up at Rocket Watts I do at remember point this. guard. And we will consider this when we talk at, about whether or not we I let you back into this, the Optimus Caucus. Put this into evidence. I feel like oh, I'm in God, court. Sloan, I don't want to tear you up, but you might make me... Objection. Tear me up about what? I'm just... Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I've laid my piece down. <laughs> okay, okay. I said... Everything I said was true. I said no more Rocket Watts at point. If you look at the Michigan game, he didn't play as a point guard. He came yeah, off but of he mid-range had, he ball, had the ball do- He handled the ball no, no. dominant. That's yeah. not what a point... He's a scoring guard. Rocket right, Watts but, is a I mean, he essentially guard. got the ball right at, to start every set. Yes. So, I mean, he... But... I get what you're saying. He didn't Aaron take Henry it up the floor, sets. but, like... Yeah, no, I mean, he did. But but to me, little, it's yeah. not it's not a point guard play when you get it at the top of the key, get a screen, and knock down a mid-range jumper. That's not what a point guard yeah. does. That's just a score. You could do that for Aaron Henry and Josh Langford, too. So, But when Rocket Watts plays to his potential, this team is 
is undoubtedly one of the best in the country. And I like like I was trying to get to is, you know, we're the Rocket Watts Caucus as well over here. I really hope that that game pushes him over the edge to be consistent like that. And obviously he's not going to go for 20 every game, but six or eight points in a stretch that Michigan State really needs it or a couple assists here and there. And it seems like that might be the one, you know, both him and Izzo held back tears during their embrace after the game that I'm sure everybody has seen. And if this can push him over the edge, Michigan State might do something crazy. Who knows? I think this game just continued to prove the Izzo theory too. When Tom Izzo and this Michigan State basketball team has a chip or their backs up or up against the wall in some form or fashion or they're underdogs of any kind, look out. I mean, there's plenty of evidence you can enter in. I mean, they went to the Final Four in 2014 as what, a seven seed, eight seed? With, you know, that was that yep. Travis Trice, Bryn Forbes, Denzel Valentine senior year team, you know. So that's an example of them being an underdog. You know, flash forward to 2017, 2018, you know, ah, Syracuse at Little Caesars Arena, when they were a, what, two seed? Also, that was tough. In now, 2004, they were horrendous on defense. I just checked it. 129th in the country in defensive efficiency. Still made the final four. Yikes. Well, let me let me let me phrase this a little bit differently, guys, because being the optimist I am, I also am looking at this like, hey, I thought Rocket Watts turned the corner after that uh what was it? The Illinois game? No, it was the Ohio State game. He had was thir- it? 13 points. Yeah. He was and, good against Indiana too. Or, or which one? Which one was it? Was it Ohio State or Illinois? Where he had I thirteen? Think Illinois, he had thirteen. Thirteen. So I thought he had kind of turned the less. corner there, and then his his offensive production dropped off a little bit. He had like five points against Ohio State or something. That's right. That was Struggled the game he went one for ten. Defensively, a lot. Yeah. So, so I just want to I want to ask like, can we expect this from Rocket Watts? Now, obviously not twenty one, like you said, Brendan. But are we gonna see? Is he gonna drop twenty at any point in the Big Ten tournament? Is he gonna? Maybe lead this team in points at any point in the in the big dance. Like, I, can we expect this at any point this postseason? I think we can. It's just going to be a matchup scenario because Luke, you mentioned this before we started recording. Daryl Morcel, who's likely going to switch off between Aaron Henry and Rocket Watson, maybe in a little bit of Josh Langford in this Big Ten tournament game, just won. First team Big Ten defense. Yep, all yeah. be all. I mean, there's so a lot. You can really make an argument players. he's the best defensive. Exactly. So that's yeah. this is a game where I could expect if it was even the regular season. Okay, Rocket might not have as good a game because they got more sell. So I don't want people and myself. I'm saying this for myself too to be like upset and like, oh, Rocket's gone. It was a fluke. If he doesn't play well against Maryland, this can be expected with a on-ball defender defensive threat like Morcel. Well, so that's a great that wouldn't point, be a too, big surprise. because if, if, if Rocket is able to be like 70% of what he was against Michigan here, against the, the, the Terrapins, that is going to open up wonders Way for Aaron Henry, yep. for Josh Lank- Lankford, and even Joey Hauser. But, Luke, I want to get your thoughts on Rocket Watts before we Yeah, yeah, I think he's going to have the opportunity because I think, you know, no matter what happens, he's going to be the starting Guard. I'm just gonna say guard. I'm, he, he's gonna be. We'll he's gonna. At that. He's one half of the backcourt. He, he's gonna be starting at guard with some point guard duties per game. I think the rest of the way after this performance, you know, it was just great to see. And I said this on the cast. There you looking go. Looking over here ding. to my to my right at Brendan. Ding that bell. I said that 
it's just such a great story to see how he was just down and out after that Michigan game, the first Michigan game in Ann Arbor. He was in the doghouse. Didn't jump on that jump ball. Hunter Dickinson got that jump ball, rotated around. Franz Wagner, corner splash. three, splash. I think it was a corner three, but that's beside the point. He didn't even start against Michigan in East Lansing on Sunday. It was A.J. Hogart who started. And, I mean, Rocket Watts came off the bench, did his thing, looked confident. And when those shots start falling early for Rocket Watts, you know he is going to be just an absolute threat. And you want to talk about absolute threats. This is the Jack Hoiberg game. Yeah. The Jack Hoiberg game. Let's yeah. expand on that a little bit then. You uh, you bring in Jack Hoiberg and Izzo talked about it after the game. It just Got essentially a lot of was fire for that, which was well, weird. yeah. He essentially just said, "Look, I mean, we needed won. someone to come <laughs> in and just kind of run the offense for a sec and defend." Jack Hoiberg, as small as he is, is, is a pit bull. Like you, you're not gonna go through if, him. If Jack Hoiberg was four inches taller and oh, yeah. twenty more pounds, he'd be a viable option he's, for any moment. He's the Jack, classic coach's son. Like yeah. Hoiberg plays smart. He had one of the moments of the game too when he it was near the end of the first half, three four minutes left. He was matched up against Hunter Dickinson trying to box out for a rebound. He boxed out Hunter Dickinson, drew a foul on Dickinson. That was his. Second or third, and Dickinson had to go to the bench for the remainder. As of the you first said, Hoiberg. As you said, live the play of his career. It was the play of Hoiberg's career. The shot of Joshua Langford's career one. happened in this game. This was the best game of Rocket Watts's career. I mean, there were a lot of career moments in this yes, game. Yes, there were. And I wanna, I wanna just to get back to the Rocket Watts track. It sounds so obvious, but it is crazy to 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 think about how good this team could have been if he played up to that level all season. And another guy I want to quick talk about is Joey Hauser. Uh, he's been great lately, uh, not necessarily in the stat sheet, but just he's clearly more his engaged. Timing. His timing he's is perfect. More His timing's back on cue, and he is such a more vital part of the offense just in terms of running, running his offense and being a threat to score. So I want to ask you guys, is that something that's kind of going underappreciated, under, flying under the radar sort of with Aaron Henry's consistency and Josh Lankford's clutch shots and Rocket Watts' 20 ball? So, you know, is, is Joey Hauser not getting enough limelight? I think from us he is. I think we've all done a pretty good job of mentioning how well Hauser has played when he has played well. And you said it, Trent. It's not really big on the, on the score sheet, but one thing that I always look at, uh, this is for Michigan State, for Big 12 basketball, the Sun Belt, whatever it is, after at the final box score, I always check. This is just the basketball dude in me. How many players each team had in double figures? And it can be 10, it can be 11, it can be small, but it's always a big factor. And when teams can go out there and have five guys in double figures, four of them could be 10 points and the other one's 18 and they're still winning by 15 points. It's really small stuff like that. I think when Joey Hauser gets into double figures, Michigan State is so much better. Yeah, the thing about Hauser in that game, too, you know, he only had one three-pointer. He had five two-pointers. Three-pointer was a bomb, though. It was a bomb, and it was in a key Deep spot, ball. too. And it, that was on a beautiful play from Aaron Henry. Yes, Henry brought the play. ball up the floor in transition. You know, Hauser's defender was sagging way off of him, and he just said, I'm going to to hand this ball off to him like yeah. a running back. He damn and I, it. He gave him a little, gave even put he put his body in front of him too to give him a little bit more space, and he just swished it. But of all the games I've seen Joey Hauser play in green and white, I mean, he driving to the basket in, in that Michigan game was just so determined. I mean, when he got the basketball with the intent to drive the to, to drive to the basket, I mean, he put it on the deck 
put his head down, put his body into someone and finished. I mean, it was just a different gear in that game from Joey Hauser. And you could tell that he just wanted it more than the players that were guarding him in the half court. I mean, I have never seen him that aggressive going to the rack. And that's a, you know, if those three point shots fall, you know, Joey Hauser coming back next year, you know, if he'll, if he can, if he can continue to get to the rack like that in the future, plus those three point shots, he could be a 12, 15 point score next year when there's no Aaron Henry on this team, presumably. Joey Hauser back in the fold. Rocket Watts playing up to his potential. This team goes five and two in the final seven. Brendan? Just want a quick add. Fact checked it. Michigan State, not beautiful. Six and five when Hauser goes double points. They're winning at least. It's above 500. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take that. Uh, but let's let, let me talk about this, guys. I want to ask you which player has impressed you the most? But I'm, I'm going to say besides Rocket and Henry because they were the two like breakout guys over this last stretch. Besides those two, who has impressed you the most? Which role player? I'll 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 throw one out there for you, Marcus Bingham. Oh, took easy. mine. Easy. Well, if we're all in agreement, then let's just talk about Marcus Bingham for a sec, then, because this dude has been unbelievable, pres- primarily on the defensive side of the ball. You know, you look at the work he did on Liddell, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, Coburn, even for a hot minute, and then you know, most notably Dickinson in 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 this second game, he just is finally playing to that 6'11 potential that everyone thought he could play to, and he's defending without fouling, and his fouls aren't even bad. You know, his freshman year and sophomore year, you used to see him, you know, maybe just getting like a basically just your your sacrificial lamb position, and you're going to pick up a quick foul, and then you're going to go back in three minutes later, and you're going to pick up another quick foul, and you're unplayable. There were several games this year where Marcus Bingham played less than 10 minutes because he just can't get it done. But here he's sort of turned the corner a little bit, and you know, for him to have eight rebounds, only five points, but it was a huge one. It was an and one, and then uh, he hit. I think he hit a couple free throws in the final like t- ten minutes when Emmett, when the Wolverines were starting to make their run. Mm-hmm. But Luke, expand on the Marcus Bingham situation because I think he's been exceptional lately and hasn't really gotten oh, yeah. the credit he deserves. We've talked about Marcus Bingham Jr. a lot on this podcast, as opposed to other podcasts, radio stations, whatever. Not going to get into it, but. Marcus Bingham Jr., after that Minnesota game when Michigan State had one of their, you know, they had a few three-game losing streaks this year, but that was, you know, the tail end of one of the three-game losing streaks when they lost to Minnesota. You know, Tom Izzo does not go out in front of the media and just call out players for their effort and performance very often. He keeps things internal. You know, he likes those one-on-one meetings that he always talks about to the media. He keeps things in the building. But when he went out, and really challenged Marcus Bingham Jr. in front of the media, it really turned some heads because people said, you know, this isn't what Tom Izzo does. You know, he doesn't challenge guys in front of the media like this very often. And really from that point on, it's been a different Marcus Bingham Jr. You know, the Nebraska game that followed that game and, you know, the game that followed that game, he didn't play a ton under 10 minutes per game, but his contributions, his little things in those games were incrementally getting better and better and better. And the playing time went up and up and up. He even got a couple starts down the line. Just improved I think, defensively he, I think he's so got to start going forward. Uh, sorry, million, sorry to cut you oh, off. No, but I, just, I just think, especially and after hearing what Izzo has said about him the last three games in particular, I think he's got to be your starter going going into the postseason now. Has Julius Marble lost the job, yes, though? Yes, 1,000%. You think so? He's yes. been, but Marble was capable he's been defensively. formidable. He's not... I don't know. Okay, okay. The 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 
spirit of the question, I guess Sloan would be no. I don't think he's lost the position. I just I think, think at this point, it. Bingham has taken it. And he, and look, Marcus Bingham's playing more than Marble is, so it's like if you want to take him off the bench and do the chess match thing, then I don't really care. I don't have any problem with it. Same as if I don't if Rocket comes off the bench. I don't really have a problem with that either, as long as he's still getting all his touches and playing those minutes. Because, you know, I, I think Gabe Brown's more effective off the bench. There's some players where that's just the case. But, um, I mean, if it were up to me, I would start Marcus Bingham going forward for sure. So there's a reason I'm sitting in this chair right now. And Why is not, that? And not in a Division One college basketball front office as a head coach. I we don't know, say this so, so much. Yeah, I if I was the head coach. I don't, no, 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 no. I'm not getting there. No, I'm just saying. I'm yes, just saying. Yes. I don't know what the reason is. But all I have to say is, God damn it, Tom, I told you so. I said this back wow. against Notre Dame, coming against at him. Oakland, against Detroit. Marcus Bingham has the best hands defensively on this team. He's got 35 blocks this year, most on the team. 15 steals for a 6'11 center. That's 15 impressive. steals. Second on this team, tied with Josh Lankford. This is my grab the mic take for the day. Why did this not happen sooner? Why well, did he? You know, I, why did he play four minutes against Maryland? He's always in there. Yeah. He's not the strongest. He's not the biggest. You know, weight wise, but he's so long. He's six eleven, and he's got the best timing defensively of anybody on the team besides Aaron Henry. I think and that's the saying biggest, a lot. The biggest issue, and I agree with you completely. And I, I guess the reason that it hasn't happened, I would be willing to bet. Just knowing time is on the way things work, I don't really know if Marcus Bingham has been fully engaged all season long. I really don't. Because there were plenty of times. Brennan, I, I agree with you. He's been fantastic, and his instincts are there. But you and I and, and Luke, we all know. We saw it uh, there in the Breslin Center firsthand. There were plenty of times, too, where he just goes in and just looks disengaged, doesn't care, little Andre, hey. little Andre Drummond-esque. But but if but, it ain't broke, don't fix it. He's late, been playing well. Exactly. Late, late in the season, and, he's been playing really well. In five of the last seven games, he's had four rebounds or more. Yes. Four of those games have been five rebounds or more. He had eight against Michigan, three steals and a block. He just always gets those dumb little rebound blocks and steals. He gets one of each at least, guaranteed. Or and one finishes. Exactly. On and offensive putbacks. He's, he's a fiery player. He's he's the, he probably has the most putback dunks on the team that just gets the bench on their feet. And to me, Marcus Bingham, and you brought up the point that he might not have been totally engaged, and you can't really fault Izzo for this, but there's nobody else that the fault really goes to, Yeah, is that... Marcus Bingham, to me, is a Rocket Watts type of player that needs the shove. He needs the the confidence and the positive reinforcement. And obviously, he needs to be taught, but he doesn't need to be... I don't think he needs to be disciplined and put in the doghouse and yelled at. He needs that push forward and that little nudge. You can do this. You got this. You're one of the best players out there. Blah, blah, blah. Go out there and make a freaking play. And he's been able to do that. I'll go to bat for Izzo on this starting five scenario because I think that Marcus Bingham Jr. brings you more defensively and rebounding than Julius Marble. But in terms of the the player that you want starting the game, I would support Marble continuing to start the game because well, I think fouls. he is... he For fouls, number one. Number two, I think he's better in the half court 
you know, this Michigan State team doesn't really do a lot of pick-and-roll stuff, but they did a little bit of it in that Michigan game in Ann Arbor in the first half. They don't really set a lot of screens. It's they're, Their half-court's they're, weird. It's we get, awful. We can get say. into that later. But I think Marble brings you more on offense. He, You know, Marcus Bingham Jr. doesn't really get a lot of post-up opportunities, as where Julius Marble does, and they can play out of the post a little bit more. I think that... The way Tom Izzo might be feeling this out is, okay, I'm going to play Julius for the first four minutes of the game. The half court will be a little bit more crisp. I mean, maybe we'll get some post-up opportunities, have a nice, easy start. And then at that under-16 timeout, I'm going to bring in Marcus, and he'll bring me a little bit of juice, play better defensively. And then from that point on, they can rotate him a little bit. Like in this game, Marble played 12 minutes. Marcus Bingham Jr. played 24. So I think it's going to be continuing to be a platoon, kind of an offense-defense platoon. You know, there'll be a little bit of Marty Suzoko in there as well. Even though he didn't play a ton against Michigan, there was no Kithier against Michigan. But Thankfully. I think true. Well, against Ma- Marty Sissoko, just to just to elaborate on that real quick, he played fantastic in the time he got. He had a big offensive rebound and he had a big defensive stand. How many minutes did he play? Five. Two. Two. Yeah. <laughs> two. No, the, the two minutes he was in, he actually played great. So Yeah, I think the defense offense platoon with Marble starting to kind of get the 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 vibes, the half court clean just keep it clean in the half court yeah because i don't know there are just some you know i give marcus bingham jr a ton of credit in terms of his effort level he will run the floor well he is a rim running big man Mm -hmm. and his defense but in terms of the half court it seems like marcus bingham jr he doesn't really screen very much and he'll just be kind of lost in the half court sometimes Mm -hmm. so i think that's probably why he doesn't start the thing with me about marcus bingham jr versus julius marble and in my opinion, this is a lucky debate to have if you're a coach. I think they yeah. both have their they both have a lot of potential. They both have a lot of bright sides. They both do a lot of things right. And we've been talking about the front court depth all year. Obviously, yeah. And I think, you know, if you're sick of it, oh well, because it's not going away. It's right. a conversation that still needs to be had. But my thing with the Marcus Bingham Jr. and Julius Marble debate is there are schools that focus on offense. Schools that focus on defense and schools that focus on everything. And it usually goes by conference. The Big Ten is obviously a defensive conference as compared to the Big 12 and the SEC and stuff like that. But Michigan State in particular is a defensive school. Izzo would rather you go out there and score zero points for 25 minutes but play your ass off on defense. And I think Julius Marble, until he shows me otherwise, has proven that Marcus Bingham is a better defender, not just because of his height, his timing, and his hands, but Marble really struggles. This is where he gets into a lot of foul trouble, too, in the position battle. And for someone who's as big as he is weight-wise, along with his 6'9 size, you really can't be struggling in that regard in the Big Ten Conference. He's been picked apart sometimes, not necessarily as far as stats go and scoring buckets on him, but as far as losing that position battle, I've seen it way too many times. A dumb foul, bad positioning on the wrong side of the block, something like that. And Marcus Bingham Jr. might not be better at it, but he has a better chance to recover from a positional mistake. I'm in agreement with you on that one. You've seen Marble pick up. Marble's had a lot of trouble keeping his body together. Particularly Ohio State and Illinois. I agree. I want to provide an update here. I know we're recording this podcast on a... Not to interrupt your point. We're interrupting this podcast. Interrupting. I'm interrupting myself. We're recording here on a Tuesday night. It's about (laughs) 8.30. I just wanted to give an update that Greg Campy's Oakland Golden Grizzlies are down 14 right now to Cleveland State. I'm... The so, vibes for me yeah. might not be great the rest of the Can podcast I, because I love Greg Campy and Oakland basketball. So 
If, if, if I leave abruptly, you know why. Can I... Thanks for the precursor. Can I make you guys upset real quick? Because... Ah, uh, more upset than I already I, am. I do this all the time. We've already mentioned it. Um, shout out Cleveland State. Uh, Spider. Deontay Spider. I forget his last name. Played against him in high school. Well, there you go. We all got a claim to fame go here. Grizzly. There's yeah. another one. Well, yep. let's, uh, guys, I, I, I want to ask one more question about this matchup before we start to really look at big picture and talk seeding and all that good stuff and some Big Ten tournament preview. But how big was the Eli Brooks injury for Michigan? We haven't talked about that yet. And I know I know that it, it essentially, you know, it was very early in the game, and it's one of those things where you don't really know if it affects the outcome or whatnot. But he is, Brandon, as you said, I mean, they have a losing record. I think what, he, he scored 12 against Michigan State in the first game. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? I, I don't know. He, so. he he played really well. So I want to ask you, how big was that for Michigan? And going forward, is that going to be something that maybe, uh, Brendan, as as the bracketologist that you are, is that something a little bit of a red flag? Oh, big time. I mean, Michigan fans, college basketball fans, bracketologists should be glued to their screens on updates on Elijah Brooks. Because well, and let me let me say this but before you go. I want I want to really really let people know Michigan. There is no way, even despite the loss, that they are going to be anything but a one seed. Yeah, uh, no, they're for, yeah. So that just needs to be made clear. But go ahead. Yeah, no, they're definitely still a one seed. But Eli Brooks is the heart and soul of that Michigan five. Anytime that he's on the floor, he's a huge piece of their offense. You know, he averages, I think, nine points per game along with like five or six assists. And they're not startling numbers, but he's one of those guys who just is always out there and always makes the right play. He's never going to make a bad play. He had five points against Michigan State before he went out, was two for two from the field, and they lose by seven. He averages nine points. Who knows? Maybe he goes off road. Maybe he has a 15-point game and picks up for Livers and Dickinson who are slacking and stuff. So that's really bad for Michigan. And as just a Michigan basketball fan, just the way they play the game, I hate to see it. But, yeah, that's going to be a big factor in deciding how far Michigan goes. If Michigan State beats Maryland, who wins that uh, the third rivalry matchup this season? And obviously it was so early in the game that, like you said, Trent, you don't know if it affected the outcome. But it sure as hell affected Michigan's play. For sure. Their half court was way more stagnant, way less organized without him on there. They were a lot less uh, energetic, and I think that's a big reason why they lost. Sloan, do you have anything to add on the impact of uh, Eli Brooks's injury to Michigan going forward? You know, another thing, too, adding on, you know, not just the offensive end of his game, but he's a, a very good defender for them as well. I mean, you know, before his offensive game really rounded into shape under Jawan Howard, he was known to be J- uh, John Beeline and then assist- associate head coach Luke Yakliches. Shout out the Yakliches. They went to Celine. Um, yep, I had to get one in, too. There you go, there you but go. he was their defensive stopper at the guard position, and, uh, you know, he still has that in his game. So, you know, as just a pure fan of the game, you know, you, you wish for a speedy recovery for him. You know, you want to see Michigan at full strength headed into this tournament. Um, especially because he's just such a key part of what they do and a glue guy and a leader, you know, he takes ball handling duties off of Mike Smith, you know, both of them can kind of take, you know, play off of each other in terms of the point guard position, almost as a platoon at Michigan. And, and, you know, he also enables Shondi Brown to go to the bench and be their sixth man, which is a role that 
You know, I think Jawan Howard brilliantly put Brown in at the beginning of the year and, and a role that really he really thrives in, you know, being that attitude guy, that energy guy for that bench unit. So I think, you know, I'd even go as far as saying I think Eli Brooks coming back is the difference between them winning a national championship and not. I, I think, think he's so that important to this team. Yeah, I don't think they get it without him. I, 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 I agree. It didn't look good on Sunday when he came out. The first the the injury originally didn't. I've had that exact same injury. Left foot land on your toe, snap the ankle out to the side, and I couldn't walk for two days. And he came out of that training room with a boot on, with his warm up on, and just was wasn't moving on the bench at all. Didn't get hop on the bike. It really didn't look good. And you hope he can come back because you know the final four goes all the way to to April eighth, I think April fourth, something like that. So. You know, that's a that's a ways away. It's 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 just about a month. But if he comes back, is he going to be full strength? Is he only going to play for the national championship game? Is it even worth it playing him then? Because then you're messing up with your whole scheme. If you've made it that far, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, yeah, Michigan is in a less than ideal spot with Elijah Brooks's injury. All right, I want to I want to do one more tangent because this. But I I promise Trent, I promise that this has something to do with what we talked about earlier in the episode. Tangent away, and it's sports related. So tangent it's okay. away. This this preface you have given us makes me think it's not. It's going to be like about the Godzilla King Kong movie. <laughs> no, <laughs> never. No, this has something to do with with what we were talking okay. about earlier in the episode oh, and our high our high school athletic careers. Okay. What is the worst injury you suffered as a high school athlete? Same one. That was the, so that was the I one for you. Vividly remember it. Three on two, two on one. Go up for the rebound. Came down right on my big left toe, and my ankle just snapped outside. And immediately knew something was wrong. Yelled out a word that I probably shouldn't say. What you know, did it start with? It started with an F. And fudge. Ooh. Yes. And my coach at the time, shout out Pat Donnelly. Was like, get up, Shabbat, you're fine. I was like, no, I can't walk. I can't. No, this is. I immediately hobbled Rub to the trainer's room, it. and he was like, yeah, this isn't good. And I remember I went to the doctor like a week later. He was like, you can go play basketball when you can hop one foot on that foot twenty times in a row, and standing on it like alone killed. So yeah, Trent? the worst injury that I had. I was a swimmer. I had. Well, it wasn't even an injury. I had back spasms throughout. Okay. My whole so four years no swimming in, in high school. I swam for nine years, but in high school. And if you know anything about swimming, like that's just going to kill your vibe sometimes. So there were some really rough practices, but whatever. That was that was a sustained thing. I was very blessed. I did not have any big-time injuries. Sustained injuries are almost worse, though. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's but not at like least a, you're not, it's like, not like a time frame quick fix, you know? You're right, right, right. But I, I didn't miss any, like, you yeah. know, I didn't miss any meets or anything like that. But Sloan, what about you? Yeah, Junior year, it was the weather was starting to break, so it'd probably be around this time. We were doing a pre meet, which was like a in track lingo that was like an easier workout scrimmage day, day before meet. Yeah, just kind of like a walkthrough okay. for like football, basketball. But we were running some 200 meter flies at like half speed just to kind of you know go through the motions. And I rounded the corner after 100 meters and I grabbed my hamstring and I had to hop off the track. Ouch. I strained my hamstring, but it was tough because I was able to get back running, you know, about five to seven days after I strained it. But it was kind of a lagging thing through the rest of the season. Uh, Every now and again, it would just kind of be like, you know, I'd feel, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd feel it kind of humming at me in the back of my hamstring. So 
Shout out to hamstrings and shout <laughs> shout out the high school athletic days. Well, well how that, nostalgic! That's, that's fun stuff. You got to bring it up at least once every yeah. you know every every now and then. You know we're only in our twenties. We're not extremely removed. Uh, no, I don't right. know, dude. We like I said though. If, if oh, athletically if, we are. If seventeen yes, yes. if seventeen year old Luke raced twenty year old Luke, it would be it'd be so I, bad. I'm Pretty. telling you right now, if sophomore Michigan State Brendan faced sophomore U of D Brendan in basketball, sophomore Michigan State Brendan is feeding him. Guaranteed. Okay, well there he's you improved. Go. I guess, I guess, I guess, and that's not like that's not like oh, like I got so much better. Let me toot my own horn. That's just like I sucked as a sophomore in high school. Well, you grow into yourself. Yeah, that's you know? true. It's I was a lot like... smaller too. All right, let's uh, let's let's get back to this actual you know what, this podcast. What what people care about? Um, people one... don't care about oh, about people don't care about my hundred meter time when I was sixteen years old. Sloan, I, I hope they do. I hope they do, Sloan. I let. It's all good fun. Um, how what seed do you have at Michigan Michigan State at right now, Brendan? I'm going to kick it to you because you are our bracketologist in house. Michigan State, you know, and, and actually, this is the more the interesting question is right now they're kind of walking that ten line. Yeah. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. So what if you know they make a run here in this tournament? And they move up to the nine. You almost don't want to. So can you talk a little bit about why you would rather be the ten seed? Like where where do you have them? We'll start there. I think. Tournament starts today. They don't even play the Big Ten tournament. Tournament starts in 10 minutes. Selection show goes. Michigan State probably makes it as a 10 seed. I think okay. they're, I think they they slip into that 10 spot. They'll play the 7. Gosh, somebody like a Maryland or something like that, a Missouri, you know, something somebody weird like that that's still pretty solid team, though. Um, and then, obviously, you know, if they beat Maryland and p- go on and face Michigan – Without Eli Brooks, maybe they beat Michigan again. They find their way into a semifinal. I think if they win two games in the Big Ten tournament, they guaranteed jump a spot. Okay, because that's, that's a top. Agree, because that means you beat Michigan. Yeah, because yeah. that's a that's a top five win in the country, and I believe a top thirty net win if they beat Maryland. So those will be two quad one wins. Obviously, the tournaments are a little different as far as the committee views them they're not so much resume and it's more just who's hot now especially the big 10 tournament yeah i don't mean i don't mean to be a crybaby but the big 10 tournament never matters they're particularly ignorant to the big 10 tournament but for a team like michigan state where they're not necessarily battling for a one seed they're battling just to get their best seed possible you know slipping into a nine would be cool. They'd get two more wins, three more wins in the Big Ten tournament. But at the same time, I think we had this discussion a couple pods ago, was that the 10 spot is a lot better than the 9 spot. If you're yes. going to move up, you want to jump from like 10 to 7 so you can get back down to the bottom of the regional bracket. If you win the first game as a 10 seed, you're likely playing either a 2 seed or a 15 seed, and that's better than a 1 seed almost guaranteed. No doubt, you know, because we talk about who those 1 seeds are. While, yes, two of them might be Michigan and Illinois teams you've beaten, you don't necessarily want to play them if you can avoid yeah, that and, and if, Gonzaga Baylor. And, and Michigan State is no stranger to just bad draws in their yeah. regional bracket. So if they pull a Gonzaga and they're the 9 seed, look out. I mean, obviously, you know, that's why we play the game in Cinderella and blah, blah, blah. But I don't want them to play Gonzaga right now this early. I want them to be a 10 seed and face a 2 seed Ohio State a two-seed Alabama, you know, a Villanova without Colin Gillespie that they can beat and find their way into a Sweet 16, you know, something like that. They're a lot, there's a, there are a lot more benefits um, just statistically for being a 10-seed if you win that first game. Remember Schoolhouse Rock? Back oh, when we were love kids? Schoolhouse Rock. Of course. Remember the video about 
figure eight. They yep. would, they would, they drew, they were drawing the eights, and there was a little ice skater, and they were making an mm-hmm. eight. Oh, here we go. Sloan wants the eight seed. Eight seed. Eight seed. I think they make a little noise in the Big Ten tournament. I think the Izzo awesome. advantage is a factor. And I think on Selection Sunday, when those 9 and 10 seeds are, are are being occupied, I think Michigan State fans are going to be a little bit surprised at the, the selection committee because, you know, people can talk about the net rankings. People can talk about on being under 500 at Big Ten play. But I just have a gut feeling that the selection committee is going to see how hot this team is right now, see some potential damage in the Big Ten tournament, see those top five wins, see Tom Izzo, and see them as an eight seed. I think Michigan State fans are going to be a little bit surprised, and I'm back on the optimism caucus. Okay, all right, all right. Now, I got a question. Is it, Am I just crazy, or is the whole Izzo advantage that you mentioned, I feel like that's not a huge factor in the committee's decision. You know, because Duke was battling for a, a bubble spot, they're probably not going to make the tournament. North Still, Carolina, though, that's the, that's just North the Carolina's Joe Lenardi wins. That's the Joe Lenardi Jerry Palm estimation, not necessarily the tournament committee. I mean, I'm not sure who the tournament committee is. In all honesty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking. Faceless, yeah. I'm talking about the tournament committee, and I don't know who the hell's on this committee. Well, look, let me say, am I crazy, Brennan, for for thinking that maybe Michigan State just skips the nine line completely? They're either a ten or they're an eight. Because if they if they say if Michigan State beats Maryland in the first round here on Thursday, I don't think that moves the needle too much. No. Because I think Maryland's still a... It, it would just be a compilation if they beat Michigan. Yeah. That's what I mean. So that if they beat Michigan, though, that would be two wins against Michigan, four wins against top five teams, and then I think that catapults you to eight. Now, granted, eight and nine is the same thing, essentially, but I'm yeah. just, I'm just in my head, at least, I would put the Spartans at the eight seed because then I think you're you're already, like, you know, flirting with the AP top 25 if that was a still thing. Still a thing. As, they got a vote this week. As, one of, vote. as of nine hours ago... The 10 line from Joe Lenardi is Maryland, Michigan State, UCLA, and Rutgers. The 7 line is Wisconsin, winnable, Clemson, winnable, BYU, very winnable, and San Diego State, less winnable, but also winnable for Michigan State. So BYU is an at-large? Yeah. Wow. Well, so something that very, very interesting that you just brought up that I think we should dissect real quick is that Maryland is hypothetically a 10 seed. So beating another 10 seed, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that really moves you up in the rankings. It's essentially a coin flip. Yeah. You I know, mean, it's a game we saw earlier in the season, and we'll talk about the rematch in a little bit here. The, the only way they move up is if people in front of them lose. That's what I mean. UNC and she loses, and, Virginia Tech, so with, UConn. With one win over Maryland and a loss to the, to the Wolverines, I got them at a 10 still. Like I, I think, don't know. Yeah, what do you I think? think? So I think they I think they would probably still be a ten. And right now with the way this works, there's not a whole lot of I think there's like literally one regular season game left for a power five team. Maybe even I might even be wrong. There might be zero. But so the ACC tournament, I mean, if if Joe Lenardi is accurate at all, I'm gonna fact check him this year once Selection Sunday comes out. To you see should it, to see how close do he was. Do people hold him accountable? That's what I'm saying. I've never fact checked him before, and I don't know if anybody has. But I'm gonna fact check him on his. His last bracket release, his last bunker release after right before selection Sunday, and see how accurate he was. But right now, North Carolina and Virginia Tech, two ACC teams, both on the nine line, could face each other in the ACC tournament. One could beat the other, moves one up, moves one down. Michigan State gets a win. They move up a spot to the nine. But not to get too far ahead, I think Michigan State will beat Maryland. 
But for their sake and for the reasons I mentioned, there's a lot more benefits to being a 10 seed. Wouldn't be all that bad if they didn't. I'm going to save the rest of my thoughts on why they're going to be an eight seed for the predictions. Okay. I don't okay. want to give anything away. Well, Luke Sloan. Optimism Caucus, though, I'm knocking on that door You're right really now. really making a strong case. But Brent and I are going to have to talk off the air. We won't even have an answer for our listeners until maybe the next podcast. I got what? a score update, too. Oakland's what's, what's down it? 80-67, to 67, 32 seconds left. Garbage can. Okay, so that is over. Cleveland State will make it. I'm, a, I'm closing the tab Shout out. out Brent Forbes. Right? First two years? Yes, he did yeah. go to Cleveland State. You're right. Well, so, so this did have something to do with the... Uh, yeah, there you go. Cleveland State, that's where some people want some players on Michigan State playing next year, but I'm not going there. I respect everybody. <laughs> it's a good conference for a that's couple actually, of the, that's a good the little, roster spots. That's a good little backhanded slap. Some people oh, I didn't mean players. to. No, no, no. Well, I I'm, I'm, just, just, I'm, I'm a, in agreement with you. That was I'm a pretty sly way, sly way to uh, slip that in I'm saying Thomas Kithier should be in a Horizon League team? Oh, boy. I oh. didn't say that. I am. Holy smokes. All right, you two. Let's talk Big Ten Tournament. How far do the Spartans get? Pretty blunt question. Sloan, how far do you got them going? Two. Two wins in the Big Ten so tournament. So you think they beat Michigan? Yes, and that's what I you do. think makes them an eight seed. And and that is why, my dear friends, I am admitting, I am asking to be admitted into the optimism caucus. I think Michigan's a different team without Eli Brooks. I don't think they're going to have him for the Big Ten tournament, and I think they knock him off again. So two wins. I think they bow out in the what? It'd be the quarterfinals. No, it'd be the semifinals on when they lose on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So that's my prediction. Here's two the, wins. Here's the that's thing. why they jumped to that eight line too because another win over Michigan. It's another it's another top five win. I think they got a four top them. five in two weeks. That'd you could make wild. you could make an argument that they'd go to my number, the number seven seed. Well, Sloan. I mean, even looking at the bracket though, say they beat Michigan, then they move on. They're playing either Purdue or Ohio State or possibly I like Minnesota that Northwestern. A lot better. That's what that's I'm what saying. I'm so then you don't know. I you have to start if, playing the playing the game. To me, it's not as simple as how many do they win, and obviously there are a lot of factors into it. The biggest one for me is Elijah Brooks. Is he going to be there? If he Probably is, not. if not, I think they get three wins. Because I think if you win two, you win three. I think if Fair. if you're not going to win two, you only win one. So do you have him losing like Illinois eventually? Yes, yes. Illinois, Iowa, something like that. I think Illinois has Some... got a chip too. Because they're PO'd that they weren't like co-champs of the regular season. Yeah, but... um. I think I think if you win two, you act you absolutely win three. I think if they're hot enough to beat Maryland and Michigan in back to back days, yeah. Michigan a week later after beating them in East Lansing, they'll be good enough to beat likely Purdue or Ohio State. So, what what so line do they hop? No up way, to? no way they drop a third game this year to Purdue. That's no what I'm saying. Way. I mean, I, I, I it's like so that hard matchup to beat a team lot. three times, and that's a good matchup for them. What do you? What line do you think they hop up to if they were, were to go to the, or if they were to win three games at the Big Ten tournament? The committee's weird, and it's all dependent. The committee. On... Well, again, we talked. The, the The Big Ten tournament is. Yeah, exactly. And perennially it's, it's, overlooked. It's all dependent on what other people do. I really think, just because of the resume that they have built for themselves, it's going to be very hard for them to jump as high as would be beneficial. I think right now they're at a ten. The best thing for them would be to jump to a seven. If they go, I mean, a six would be helpful too, but I think that's very unlikely. And I think even if they win the Big Ten tournament, they're not going to jump four spots in a week. That's Um, fair. Yeah. The only, I think if they win the Big Ten tournament, they have a chance to be a seven. If they win only three games, I think maybe they get to an eight or nine, but that's. If I'm Michigan State, you know, obviously you're not going to play to lose, but that's not what I want. You as want far that as, ten, so I'd, I'd rather take, I'd rather roll the dice with a ten 
and hope for an Oklahoma and Alabama and Villanova matchup in the second round than Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, or Illinois. Exactly. So I want I want to catapult myself off of that point you just made because I think the Spartans win one game in the Big Ten tournament, and let me tell you why. The stars just seem Sloan to be aligning. Baffled. The optimism caucus has shifted dramatically. Well, let me, let me explain this. To you. It's it's not a pessimistic. This is a breaking thing. news it's, alert. It's, it's not a pessimistic reason. I just think that that the stars are starting to align for Michigan State here, and a win against Michigan would maybe endanger, like you just laid out, Brennan, your ability to go far in the NCAA tournament, which obviously means a lot more than this Big Ten tournament. So I think the Spartans beat Maryland. And, and and even if they don't, they're going to be a 10 seed either way, whatever. I think the Spartans beat Maryland and then maybe lose a close one to Michigan. And I think they, they stay right at that safe 10 spot. You know, and it would be helpful. Then they are primed to make a run. It'd be helpful for them to have a little extra rest headed into the tournament too. A well, little that's extra, little yeah. extra Izzo prep time. You know, they Izzo had a press conference today, announced that they will be staying in Indianapolis after the Big Ten tournament. So they can rest up for a couple days, get in the gym a little bit bit slowly climb their their way back into getting up to playing form but i just want to point out i don't know if we've ever had a point on this podcast when brendan and i's predictions have been more optimistic than trent's but trent's are being optimistic in in indirect i think i think it helps them in the big picture if they don't you can make the argument that if your plan goes forward and they do they lose one or they win one game in the Big Ten tournament that could therefore pave the way to two wins in the NCAA. That's what I'm saying. Well, I just also, think it opens the door a little more. Well, also they're in the Big Dance. Who the hell cares what they do in the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, right. right they've right, already right. played. Exactly. Mar- they've already played all of these teams. That is a great these point. Are teams they've seen. They're not exactly. They're not helping themselves. They're a not. Whole lot they're not matchups point. that are going to give you a lot of answers to the question that Michigan State has about who they can compete with in the Big Dance. They're in the Big Dance. Obviously, they're not, like I said, they're not going to play to lose, but they want to put themselves in the best possible position. And right, right now, a ten seed is better than a nine. And, Plus, it, and, and if you're it, just real quick, Sloan, if, yeah, you're, yeah. if you're asking me if I want the Spartans to win the tournament, of course I do. Yeah, what? I'm not gonna. Of course, what I'm saying is I don't want I don't want the Michigan State Spartans to overhelp themselves. And this just sounds absolutely crazy because two weeks ago they weren't even in this thing. But I don't want them to overhelp themselves to the point where they are seeing a Gonzaga or Baylor in the second round. If they overhelp themselves, they have to pull to pull a Kemba Walker UConn run and just win the last eleven games of the year. They might have because it will be way more crushing to see them beat all these Big Ten teams, all these top ten teams in the country, and go out and lose in like the second round or the Sweet Sixteen of yeah. the Big Dance. That's what I mean. It's keeping things in perspective and what matters more. Yeah, Trent, your point brings mine in really, really seamlessly and really well. And you know about you know the whole you know they've already lost to a lot of these teams in the Big Ten tournament. You know, kind of like the what's the point thing. With all factors considered, the COVID nineteen pause, how this team was down and out, not having a point guard, not having a center, playing weird, not Michigan State basketball, not having a pick and roll game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, really not being a great Michigan State team. I think it's just an outstanding accomplishment that this team made the tournament. Me too. No and, matter and what, they could lose in round one, and I would say that's still a hell of a job by Tom Izzo to rally the guys, keep the streak alive, I mean, and make the tournament in a pandemic year. Duke did not. Kentucky did not. North Carolina is going to be in the same boat as Michigan State where they're not going to be a top six seed. And and Trent just said it. It's crazy to even be talking about this because literally 14 days ago, we weren't even close to the same mindset. I mean, 
talking about how many games Michigan State is going to win in the Big Ten tournament, I would have never thought we'd do yeah. that on this podcast right. this season. I would. We, we were trending in a direction where they were going to be playing on the first day. The first day, yeah. Which we're recording right now. That'd be tomorrow. When's the last time that Michigan State has played on the first day? Bringing that back into my oh point, my God, yeah. Duke played on the first day of the ACC tournament this year and beat Boston College, but still, it's a bizarro world. And for Tom Izzo to make the tournament in this bizarro world is just, I think, an outstanding accomplishment. And I'm not going to call it like, you know, I don't think it's even, I don't think it's in his top three coaching accomplishments because you can make a a long list of Tom Izzo coaching accomplishments, but it is up there because this team was dead. I just want to, you brought up bizarro. This made me think of this. I just want to add something. It pains me to say this because obviously you guys know I'm a huge Georgia State Panthers fan. Jay is on that team. I've given him a bunch of shout-outs. They lost the Sun Belt Conference Championship to Appalachian State by seven yesterday. But Appalachian State has made the tournament three times, including the automatic bid they won yesterday. The other two times they made it, 1979, who won it that year? Michigan State. Magic Johnson. 2000, who won it that year? Michigan State. I did see My that tweet. That's leaves. unreal. The other the, the, two times. And also, just for just for, you know, fun, for, you know, uh kicks and giggles, I guess. There's the Mountaineers are probably gonna be a sixteen seed. Michigan's a one seed. We know all know what oh, happened in football. Man. You never know. Don't just, you uh, irony? Man, it's March. That's like, it's March. It's irony. It's I'm BS. smiling. I'm that, smiling that, under that's, my mask That's right Michigan now. State porn. I mean, if that if exactly. that is that is unreal. <laughs> yeah. So, so great, great point, Brennan. Great stuff. But guys, before we reel it back in and talk about this Maryland game happening on Thursday and give some predictions there, I want to zoom out for a second and just real quick, I got a couple talking points we we got to mention with the Big Ten tournament. Who who wins this whole thing? Sloan, who's your money on? Brad Underwood and the Illinois Fighting Illini. I think you they as are, well, Brennan. They I, are healthy. Me too. So we don't, have to, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this. They're motivated agree, too. But... They have a chip. I think they got a chip. I love the Illinois pick. My sleeper, it's not really a sleeper because they're number four, but Purdue. Okay. Purdue is playing really well. Matt Painter going to Matt Painter. You know, John Rothstein, Dex, Death Texas, Matt Painter, friend of the podcast. Um, Purdue is Purdue is a really good-looking team. They're, they're number four in the Big Ten, and I think, like, nobody knows that. Nobody realizes that they're as good as they are, and they right. have a double buy in the Big Ten tournament. They'll play an Ohio State team, likely, that they've already beaten before this season. Um, so they're my sleeper, but my favorite is Illinois. My Sloan, sleeper? You got a sleeper? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Ooh, Demetri okay. Trice. Wisconsin. Yeah. No one's talking about Wisconsin right now. They still got Micah Potter. They still got Demetri Trice. They, they got still got they Nate Reavers. Well. They could catch fire. Plus, I mean... I don't necessarily, this team's not a sleeper, but no one's talking about Ohio State. Ohio State could go out and win this tournament, too. You, they could have a chip after yeah. the way they finished I mean, the, just, the regular season. They've just season. been trending the down. Way, yeah, way, it's, it's I weird. Mean, obviously, it's like losing four games in a row sounds bad, but you look at who they lost to. Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa, Illinois. I still think they're a sweet, six, sweet but, 16 but team. isn't it a little, obviously, all of these were close games, actually, that Ohio State played in and all of these losses. But isn't it a little discouraging that like they played three top ten teams and the hottest team in college basketball and didn't gut out one win? Two of these games, three of these games at home, Michigan, Iowa, and Illinois all on your home floor and you didn't pull it off? Just saying. Yes, for sure. To answer your question, yes. So we all have Illinois taking home the – Dosumo looks like Batman. Bringing home the bacon. He looks great with a mask. Yeah. Good mask guy. Um, So we've all got Illinois winning this whole thing. 
and and you you know who our sleepers are. My sleeper is probably look. I I don't I don't really think anyone's going to win outside of the top four. So I let me just say that first and foremost. To spice it up, guys, I guess I'd pick Rutgers as my sleeper. I, I thought, thought you were going to say Michigan State. I thought you were going to well, pick Iowa. It, it, I, I, I was oh, looking no. into your eyes, Trent, and I thought, and, and I thought you were going to say Hawkeyes. I, I love Illinois this year. I love them for the one seed in the tournament. I think they're going to be a fun team to, to monitor going forward. What, you don't like them as a one seed? Oh, no. Not as a one seed and not in the tournament either. They don't play defense. Well, no defense. Okay. But I, I just I I just want Brad Underwood to get that. I want Iota Sumu to get that. Wait, wait, you're wait. you're an I was listening to the Green and White report on Sunday. Yeah. You're an Iowa guy, aren't you, Trey? Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're talking about two different teams here. You're saying Iowa, but then you said Brad Underwood. No, oh, I said Iowa. I meant yeah. Illinois. Okay, I like yeah, Illinois yeah. as a yes, one seed. Okay, Illinois, I'm so definitely. sorry. Yeah, I was yeah. really thrown off there. Henry Menegos was the Iowa guy. Yes, uh, I like Illinois as a one seed in the tournament. I think they're going to be yes. a fun team going forward to monitor. Yeah, how was that? Very fun. Yes. yes. Sorry for the slip up. Freudian slip. That's not even a Freudian slip. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> let's last thing. Last order of business here, fellas. It's been quite a marathon tonight. But we need our predictions on the record for this first game in the Big Ten tournament that Michigan State will play against the Maryland Terrapins. We all remember the first matchup, recent history, just a week ago. Brendan, do the Spartans get it done? If so, how? I think they do. Okay. I think they get it done by Maryland doesn't even come close to repeating the shooting performance that they had. I don't think they'll ever repeat that the way they just lit up Michigan State for no reason whatsoever. Right, they're not even like a well-known shooting team. Yeah, I mean, Maryland had seven days of rest, you know, the last time they played Michigan State. Uh, this time they get, a, they get a little bit more, or I mean, not more than seven, but, you know, four days I think it is. But Michigan State, they're hot. It's March. This win would really, I don't want to say really benefit them because I just said why it wouldn't, but, you know, a win's a win. It's it's one step closer to winning the whole thing, which would be the best thing they could do. So I do think Michigan State wins, despite it probably hurting their seeding. Score wise, the last one was seventy three to fifty five. Close game, eight points. Michigan State, sixty eight sixty. Gentlemen, I am back. <laughs> the Optimist Caucus is back. We have and voted. better than. Ever, because I am back. All right, Sloan, welcome back. Welcome. It's official. I, I, I guess. I don't. I don't want to. I, I, I mean, Brendan, are we cool? Are we, with are we this? gonna say no? Like, are we cool with this? Are you gonna let me in your club no, right here live? We're gonna say no. In, in all seriousness, we we ride. We ride as a as as a group of three. So welcome back. Yeah. Move in. Get comfy. I will stay admit, a while. I got my will, boxes in the back of my car. As long as you keep your pregame routine, I'm happy. What is my pregame? You have routine? to send out the tweet. Oh, of course. Okay. They wouldn't be a game without a pregame tweet. Exactly. Never. Michigan but State. Sloan, give me the yes. reason for all your optimism. Michigan State 71, Maryland 63. I think Tom Izzo realized his mistake of not going big against the Terrapins I in so. College Park. I think Julius Marble starts. I think Malik Hall doesn't play a ton of minutes at the five like in College Park. I think Marcus Bingham Jr. plays a bigger role. And I think Donta Scott being an undersized five hurts the Terrapins in this game. I think Julius Marble scores in double figures. I like a nice game from okay, him. Okay. And I think that's kind of the edge that Michigan State has. And I think they follow the Michigan State blueprint. I think Maryland gets a little bit frust flustered, frustrated. They lost to Northwestern last week. Not as hot as they were, you know, when they played Michigan State the first time around in College Park. 
I like the Spartans, 71-63. They play a typical Michigan State game, low scoring, race to 60-70 points. Julius Marble, sleepy game. I think Hauser scores 15. I was I just going to say. I, I, I just see a, I see Hauser having a good game. I was just, just going to say, I'm going to throw a stat line out for one of the bigs. It's going to be either Joey Hauser or Marcus Bingham because Maryland is not very tall. Their two tallest guys are both freshmen who don't play. Their next tallest is Galen Smith, who's a, a formidable defender, but a bench player. He doesn't start for them. So I think Marcus Bingham or Joey Hauser, Luke, you mentioned it, 12, 6, and 2. 12, 12, six and 12 for Bingham would like be it. big. 12 That'd points be for Bingham for would Bingham. be pretty big. I mean, yeah. that might be a career high. I hey, mean, but he you mentioned they, they don't have a whole lot of size, Maryland. Exactly. So, I, I don't know why Michigan State didn't exploit it in the first matchup. Hopefully I think, they do now. I think Gabe Brown slots back into the starting lineup, too. I think Izzo goes back to the bread and butter. You know, even though Malik Hall started in that win over Michigan— I just have another feeling that he wants to get Gabe Brown going before the tournament, and I think he's going to slot him in the starting lineup. That's another kind of sneaky prediction. I got the Spartans 65-55, maybe a little Oof. bit low scoring. I don't know, but here's my. there's two big keys for me, two huge keys. you got to start a hell of a lot better than down 11. That's the biggest thing. Even if after two minutes you're down 8-5, to five, that is so much better than starting down 11-0. I couldn't tell you how frustrated I was watching that game in the first two minutes, and it's already over almost. Yeah. It just sucks the life out of you, and yeah. it's not fun to watch. But that, and you got to penetrate that zone, man. You got to move the ball. You, you, the Maryland, they like to run that little zone, and, you know, Brendan, you talk about it. It's because of their lack of size. Just move the ball, I mean, man. Michigan State has struggled with that. So. Yeah, that could be, that's how you beat Sparty. That right? could be where it's, Joey Hauser thrives, though, because when they've gone up against zones, they've, pl- they've planted Hauser on the free throw line in those zones and kind of said – Facilitate a little, take a couple dribbles, get to the basket. So that could be the work key from the for inside Hauser. Out. Yes, work from the inside out, man. And uh, Rocket Watts coming off a big game. The defense, as you mentioned, Brennan is going to respect him quite a bit. So don't be alarmed if he has you know only eight points in this one or something. But just attack, attack that zone. And I, I, I do in my heart of hearts think the Spartans, especially given what have you done for me lately, even Maryland's hot right now as well. I think the Spartans are just a better team flat out. Not by a lot, but I, I think the Spartans ultimately get it done and win by 10 points. I wanna, 65-55. I want to add, attack the zone, but Maryland is not Syracuse. They're not going to play zone the whole game. Right, right, so right. take advantage of when they switch it to man. Give the ball to Henry Langford Watts and get the hell out of the way and go let them score. That is the formula for winning. If you've watched the Michigan State Spartans in the last, I don't know, hmm, seven games, five and two, three wins against AP top five opponents, I'm going to say it loud and proud until I can't say it anymore. Also, real quick, go for it. You mentioned five and two in the last seven. Shout out Andy Katz. He said they would. He he said four out of last six after the Purdue game. This was before the second Indiana game got rescheduled. They only had six games left in the season. Andy Katz out of nowhere. Came out and said Michigan State would go four and two in their last six. Right. No one even asked him about it. He yeah. just said it. Random. Yep. Unbelievable. Random. Andy to think, Katz. To think ESPN let that guy go. The, the OG Optimist Caucus. The yeah. OG. Shout out to Andy Katz. Andy Katz friendly podcast. Also a Rocket Watts friendly podcast. And a John Rothstein and a John friendly Rothstein. podcast. This is March. Gentlemen. And your boy from Georgia State. Drop his name one more time. Jalen Thomas. Jalen Thomas podcast. friendly podcast. But here we go, fellas. It's going to be a very fun week. March Madness is here. Brendan, I love. Saying that, I know you're excited. We're going to have plenty of good content for you, so stay tuned. But this has been 
the impact is on podcast. Any final thoughts? We Friday. sleep in May. Friday. We do sleep in May. Friday is when we start. Let's go. Friday is when we start. Friday. Let's get it. Impact is on for, for Luke Sloan and Brendan Shabbat. I am Trent Bailey. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend about the podcast. Share, tweet. Tell your mom. Do what you got to do. Listen to us all the time. We'll have more content for you soon. Follow WDBM Sports on Twitter for all your game coverage, and we will see you next time.